Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is not the undercard, nor is it the sideshow. This is the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin, joined as always by my right-hand man sitting on my left-hand side, the one and only Mason Shepard. I'm dying. (laughs) We haven't even started yet. No, we haven't started yet. Listen, guys, I know that this is the main event, but sometimes the mid-card before getting to the main event is hilarious. (laughs) The mid-card kills me at this point okay we're not talking about that That didn't get recorded so that was a do that was a do-over everybody gets the mulligan okay it doesn't it doesn't count Woo! how you doing today ryan oh man it's uh cowboys eve and so much has happened in the past week that i'm actually really excited to talk about it because now that we don't do sports zone or anything i've lost my like other weekly sports talk stuff yeah so i'm actually really excited to talk about Everything that happened this week. So basically, you saying when you got to do sports on, you ain't excited anymore. No, no, no you're, you're burying sports. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that you know, I I don't get the like. I got that itch, you know. I'm like, yeah, I gotta talk about sports. It, 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 there's a cream for that. <laughs> there's a cream for everything now. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> get into college football. Man. Yes, because college football <laughs> exploded over the weekend, first yeah. with scores and then with coaches. So let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk scores first. Yeah. Um, as the big game over the weekend was, in fact, Michigan versus the Ohio State. And uh, I believe, as you called it, it was Big Brother slapping Little Brother. Big Brother slapping Little Brother. Little Not brother. this time. No, it, no it, it, was, it, was little, it was father, son. And this time, son took the belt away from father and used it on father. Not today. I will say this. No, sir. Michigan has finally earned my res- They're legit because now we'll see where they go from here because they could have climaxed beating Ohio State and it could go down. But I will say this. They ran all over Ohio State. Their running attack was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think what we saw from Michigan is they were not – they got in their faces. Like they looked at Ohio State like literally because there was stuff going on off the field. They looked at Ohio State and said, oh, we're going to run over y'all boys today. And that's what they did. And I think for Michigan, that's what they need to do. Now people will take them seriously because they beat Ohio State it handily. It wasn't just like they skated by. No, they they put up a good amount of points on them. The defense was my takeaway beyond the rushing attack of the offense. The defense played extremely well. Like they 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 hit Ohio State in the mouth. And I think that was one of the best games I've seen from Michigan. And their quarterback played well. So I, I Michigan, they proved that they're legit. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Haskins, 28 carries for 169 yards and five touchdowns. Oh, my God. And Blake Corum got six carries for 87 yards. Yeah. And A.J. Henning had one carry for 14 yards. So, yeah, they... They, they rushing attack across the board. They killed him. Um, and, you know, it was Harbaugh's first win against Ohio, Ohio State. State in... His in his, his in, no his entire career. I'm trying yeah. to think how many years has he been there. Um, a number. Yeah, because he he went Owen. It, it was Owen a large. Wasn't it like Owen eight at some point? Uh, uh, he coached from. He is the Michigan coach from 2015 to present. So this would have been his sixth. Yeah, so he's been he's been he, he 0 and 5. 5. Yeah. Yeah, 0 and 5. He was 0 and 5 and 
you know, good for him. But let's see what what Michigan does from here. Do they have the confidence to keep knocking teams off, or will they? Will Will Ohio State be like, yeah, we did? And yep. Uh, the next game that was of interest was Alabama having to escape from Auburn with a win in four overtimes, which, you know, college overtime. We, yeah, they kinda, we, we talked about they it. it up, we said, you know. There are no easy games in the Iron Bowl. No. But it doesn't matter where Auburn is in the season. They will yeah, always hit Alabama was, in the mouth. It was 10-0 to zero in going into the fourth quarter for Auburn, and Alabama managed to squeeze one out um, and then take it to overtime and win there. And, whew. Bama fans were sweating for a second because that was about to be a swift exit from the uh, CFP. Yeah, no, it was. Ooh, can you imagine Bama not being able to make it in the CFP? Well, Nick Saban would have an aneurysm. We'll discuss it in a minute, but it's still yeah. not out of the question. No, it's um, not. And then, of course, the Battle of Bedlam. Woo! Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. I am 30, an Oklahoma State fan. I mean, not really, but I, <laughs> you know, I got to give it to you, Ryan. You called it as far as um, Oklahoma State would would you know be ranked over Baylor, which I, I figured that would happen, but mm-hmm. I had to see them beat Oklahoma, and they did. Um, they beat them by a sly margin, but hey, if you put the Sooners down and out of the CFP, I don't care how you do it. <laughs> I'm just glad you do it. So good for Oklahoma State. So where does this leave us going into the top, let's call it the top six for co- uh, conference championship week? Georgia's still number one to the surprise of nobody. No, exactly. Michigan jumped up to number two. Okay, who's three and four? Three is Alabama, Cincinnati still number four, and then Oklahoma State five, Notre Dame six. Honestly, I don't have a problem with that one. <sighs> I see here here was my thinking. I was thinking that the committee would put Alabama's number two. Now, uh, obviously, I don't think they should be number two. No. I was conspiracy theorist going, <laughs> they'll put them in number two, so that way if they lose to Georgia, they're still in the CFP. Yeah. That was my thinking, was that they were going to just, yeah, you know what, we'll put you in number two, so that way if you lose, you're still in. Um, now, if they lose to Georgia, I don't think they go. Me, me neither. Especially if they've o- had They've had too many close calls. They lost to A&M. And, no, if, if they lose to Georgia, I think that, that puts them out. I think that does. And, that, and, that, and trust me, the committee would be more than happy to move up. But you— that would be landmark, really. No, it would, because it, it would be Georgia, it would be Michigan, it would be Cincinnati, right. and then it would be Oklahoma State. Assuming Oklahoma State, State beats Baylor in the Big 12. Now, see, because we got we have a slate of games here. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. And, you know, it is it is conference championship week, which means none of these games are really gimmies. No, no. Oh. And I think that's—this is my favorite time of the year um, because none of these games are gimmies, yeah. and they shouldn't be. The picture got clearer, and it also got a little bit fuzzier because we have a very <laughs> clear top six. Yeah. But those top five are going to be—five of the top six, not, Notre Dame isn't going to play in a game this week. Yeah, no, no. Um, are going to be playing in conference championship games. So Baylor's going to play Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, if, OS, if Oklahoma State wins that, I think they would jump Cincinnati. They would. I think they would jump Cincinnati, even if Cincinnati wins against uh, uh, Houston. Know. I take that back because you know how much the committee loves the undefeated status. Yes, but having if they beat two Oklahoma back-to-back Baylor, wins, I don't know. I would two love back-to-back to wins see against that. top ten teams. I would has love got to, to move see you that, but I I don't know. So like the dream is like Georgia beats. Well, no, the dream is Bama beats Georgia, 
and Michigan wins, Cincinnati wins, and Oklahoma State wins because I want to see the mental gymnastics that the CFP is going to have to put together for their top <laughs> five. Like, because if Bam, if Georgia beats loses to Bama, yeah, there's no way Georgia drops out of the top four, right? No. So if anything, I mean, there's too many hypotheticals to really go through, but. Yeah, the most mind-numbing one would be if Bama beats Georgia, Cincinnati yeah. beats Houston, and Michigan beats Iowa, and Oklahoma State wins. So if everybody wins but Georgia, where does everything fall out? Because right now, if Georgia beats Bama, that makes everything easier, assuming everybody else wins, because Bama yes. drops out, and then you just move. Michigan will go, it will stay at two. Michigan Cincinnati will stay at goes two, number Cincinnati three. goes to three, Oklahoma State goes to four. Yeah. I think, okay, my opinion, if, if they go... Uh, if if Bama beats Georgia, then um, I think it, honestly even that I think would make it easy because you would still have Georgia I think one just because that's the first game that they've lost. You think so? Yeah, it, it, I mean because the people are expected to lose to Bama at some point, and I think if Georgia just loses to Bama, I still think they would have them number one. Now huh. that would change if. Let's say, for instance, they were like, no, undefeated always is outranking. Then, of course, they would put Cincinnati number one. But then again, there's Cincinnati's no way. Just, but that's there's what I'm saying. No chance. Cincinnati's a small school. Look, because that's the thing here. Michigan has lost. And that's why I say Georgia would still be one. Michigan has lost. Bama has lost. And Oklahoma State has lost. So putting not putting Cincinnati up there because they're a smaller school would make sense. That would leave Georgia to still be number one because they would have only lost one game up until that point. Up until this point, they've lost none. Losing to Bama, that's just one. They'd still be there. I, I think, if, no, if Bama beats Georgia, I think Bama moves up to one. See, but Bama doesn't deserve to be one, in my opinion. But you beat the number one team, and I know they haven't had a great track yeah. record, but if they're already number three and then you beat number one, I mean, we saw it with Michigan beating Ohio State. They're yeah. number five, and they just went right up to number two. Yeah, you know, I could see that. You know, don't get me wrong. I can see that easily, and that's probably what would happen. But I just don't think Bama's had that season where they deserve to be number one. They deserve to be top three every year. But I'm just saying they just haven't had that season where they deserve to be number one. They've had a lot of close calls with teams that are not, you know, Sam Houston State University. Yeah. But when it comes down to, you know, we saw what happened with Auburn, who was just like what five and six or whatever. Like we saw what was Auburn, and you know they lost A and M. And, you know, we uh, didn't they barely beat Ole Miss or did they? I don't know. But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like Georgia has had a, a better season. And I think the fact that they had lost one game won't move them off of number one. The, so Bama at the time beat number 14 Miami. They were at the time number 14. Yeah. Um, they've narrowly beat out number 11 Florida. Yeah. Uh, thrashed number twelve Ole Miss. Man, okay, lost to that. Their one loss at the time was to unranked Texas A and M. They're now ranked, so that takes off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then they also beat number twenty one at the time Arkansas. So when you look at it, yeah, they've had some close games, and I'm not saying that they are unequivocally the best team in the country. Yeah, but I know. If you beat a Georgia team that has been ripping everybody apart. That seems like a fair statement to make. Again, no, no, it's a very fair statement to make. I, w I just wouldn't see that because I wouldn't agree with it. That this is just a. 
this is kind of like the nightmare scenario for uh for the CFP, right? For the committee, because then uh, you know, just imagine if imagine if that scenario plays out where Bama wins and everybody else wins, and you got to sit there and go, okay, well, one of these teams is not going to make it, whether that's uh Cincinnati or Oklahoma State or Michigan, which if Michigan wins, that they're, they're in, right? No, no. So it really, I, I think, it comes down I to Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. I think State. Michigan's in for, at at. The, I think Michigan's locked in. They they beat their they beat their father at this point. And if they no, if you lose to Iowa, you drop. Yeah, I know. If you lose to Iowa, you drop. But I'm just. Saying, but if you win, you, I mean, the, y- yeah. The fact that they moved him up to number two is a really big deal. That's my point. Yes, because if you even if you like win narrowly against Iowa, you're already at number two. There's no way you're dropping to five. No. Um, Honestly, they're not going to kick Cincinnati out because Cincinnati and the, those departments, they would be hooting and hollering, squealing like a pig under a gate if they went undefeated and got kicked out. That, that's that's not happening. So you're going to, you're going to, if Oklahoma State beats number nine Baylor in their last game, you're going to keep him as number five? You know, see, assuming the, Alabama wins. See, the thing is, you, and I think what it comes down to is, it, I think it comes down to television. Because and this is where we lose more of the sports and we get more into TV networks and and how that works because Georgia the SEC runs it at this point and Georgia's going to be there mm-hmm. Bama is going to be there they're yeah. going to drop if Bama loses, if Bama they, loses don't. they won't yeah. but I'm just saying if they win if they win they're going to be there okay mm-hmm. Michigan beat Ohio State that was huge if they win they will be there when it comes to OU or since Oklahoma State or Cincinnati. You know, I, when when it comes to, I I really think they would they would push O O State down because they would know that Cincinnati being undefeated would be a a, a draw for television ratings, even if they have the propensity to get blasted, which they might. They would still be like, uh, oh, you know, they're, they're they're the undefeated team, and this would be cool for people to see, and there there are small schools made it this far, blah 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 blah. They would, they would. I think they would. I think they would snub Oklahoma State personally. I just, I, I just think they would. He, I, I think that would be one of the biggest snubs. Oh yeah. In his, and this is. I, I hope this lights the fire under all of them to figure out the expanded playoff. Um, because, like, I, I don't know that I would necessarily be upset either way with it because I can see why both should be in there. But this just shows that we need more than four teams for the college oh, football yeah. playoff, right? Because so since so Cincinnati, their two big wins over ranked teams were against at the time number nine Notre Dame, who is now number six. So fair. That is fair, yeah. But Notre Dame has stayed ranked, even though only, they're a little yeah. Only other ranked team that they will play is Houston this week in the conference championship. Yeah. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State beat at the time number twenty five Kansas State. Yeah, they've already beaten Baylor once. Yeah, twenty one uh, when they were ranked twenty one. They beat Texas when they were ranked twenty five. So yeah, they beat OU when they were ranked number ten, and they're going up against number nine Baylor again. If they beat Baylor again at number nine, that I mean, I know that Cincinnati's undefeated, but the strength of schedule is just not. The yeah, same. I know. No, it's I an agree. undefeated team I in a much and worse honestly, conference. I would love to see if Oklahoma State makes it to this point. That will be my team that I would root for because I would love to see that Big Twelve representation. So, but but we all know how the committee is, and we all know it's a popularity contest, and we all know that it's about equally as much as about ratings and, and television. 
I just so, I don't know. I, well, we'll, I, we'll we'll see because there have been teams. I, I can't remember when it was, but I think Ohio State actually beat out somebody who um, I think at the time was undefeated, or maybe they weren't undefeated, but they had a better record, and Ohio State beat them out because they are Ohio State. Yeah. So it, you know, and maybe that works in Oklahoma State's favor. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just see them really wanting to go with Cincinnati because of, you know, it's a team, it's the Cinderella story that has the potential to happen, which would draw major, major money. Would, would that outweigh the Big 12 draw? Yes, because the reason that outweighs the Big 12 draw is because, one, people disrespect the Big 12 a lot, like we don't know how to play football. Two, it outweighs the Big 12 draw because no one it, it, Ron, it, let's be realistic if we we grew up our entire lives we didn't think Cincinnati was a basketball school we didn't think Cincinnati was a football school we just knew Cincinnati was a school and barely wanted that and to see them in this position that would make us really want to see are they up to snuff can they really hang could they pull it out? Could we have the Cincinnati Bearcats as national champions? There is no way the CFP is going to pass that up. Even if it's a failure and they get blasted, which we all know they probably will, no one is going to give up the opportunity as far as like a network and television. No one's giving up the opportunity to have a Cinderella story happen on, on cable television. There's no way they're giving that up. I don't know. That I do not envy the position that they're in right no, now. No, I that's don't. For sure. I think you relish in it, to be honest. I think you're relishing in it because I wouldn't blame you because since we've been doing the show, we had talked about how completely stupid, you know, some of their rankings had OU number three at some point, which was pathetic or close to number three. It was sad. So I'm, um, I- I'm excited to see where they go from here. Honestly, I'm excited yeah. to see what happens. I'll be rooting for Oklahoma State because I would want to see where that would go. And um, glad Notre Dame's not going to make it in, in my opinion, that don't deserve it. Um, is Okay. There is a world where they make it in. But that requires Michigan losing, Cincinnati losing, and or like at least two out of three losing, I think. And actually, I think if Michigan wins, or if Michigan loses... And like either Cincinnati or Oklahoma State loses, I think that there's a possibility that so, Michigan so, stays. So Michigan, yeah, Michigan would stay if Cincinnati and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State loses lose. and Michigan loses. I think they would drop down to four. They would, and Notre Dame would go up to three. Yes. Um, of course, maybe you know the Bama Georgia game plays a factor, but to say that Notre Dame has no shot, I don't think that's right. No, I think it's a very long shot because it requires a lot of teams losing. But that's basically no shot, Ryan. That is basically no crazier shot. things. So have you mean to tell me? Football. No, I mean I agree with that, but I don't see Cincinnati and Michigan and Oklahoma State losing. I'm not saying they're all going to win either, but all three of them losing to get Notre Dame up there. No, I don't see it either. But none of us saw the absolute shellacking that Michigan put on Ohio State. Either. I mean, nobody saw that, but that's the thing. Maybe Michigan fans yeah, yeah, yeah. Mi- mi- Well, yeah, but we'll see Michigan fans, they have to lie to themselves to keep themselves awake at night. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think that um, when we look at Notre Dame, they, yeah, you know, and I guess I, just, I wouldn't want them to make it in because I want something different. They've been in this position many times. I want to see these new teams because 
Bama and Georgia are always going to be in there regardless. But I want to see Michigan in this position. I want to see Cincinnati in this position or Oklahoma State in this position. I don't need Notre Dame going back up in there because then that's that's three out of the four teams that usually make it because Notre Dame's been here, Georgia's been here, Bama's been here. I want to see somebody new. So, um, but, you know, here's what I think will happen. If Michigan loses, I still think they would stay. They would just drop to four. Um not if Cincinnati and no 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 no, no I, I'm not or, going or, in yeah. real specific order, but I'm just saying uh, what I predict is I think Michigan will win because mm-hmm. they're coming off this high, and Michigan's about to go to places that they've never been for a while. So I don't see them letting Iowa beat them. Um, I'm not gonna lie that Cincinnati Houston game could go either way. I, I'm if anybody's losing, I'm predicting it's Oklahoma State with yeah. Baylor looking for revenge. I think if I had to pick one of yeah. three to lose, I think it's I, that I could one. see Baylor wanting to ruin. Now, now, if if Oklahoma State loses, then I think Notre Dame would get brought up. If Oklahoma State loses, they only go as high as five. Though. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying they 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 would still get brought up for at sure. least. So, um, because that would bring them up, and then depending on when the other games are played, if you know, depending on the, on how those turn out, then you know we would see what would happen. I'm so glad we get one more episode next week to talk about yeah, this, I am all too. the games after. Before the uh, winter break. So the other shocking developments that happened uh, over the weekend was the, I guess the NCAA coaching carousel has officially opened up as a number of big names just up and split yeah. with, I think, the two biggest ones being Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, Riley uh, and, and uh, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly. So Lincoln Riley, after saying that there was no... Uh, interest in the LSU job was like, ah, I said LSU, but I didn't say anything you, about going to USC. And he just, bam. Yeah, gone, I am. Um, what happened is, and I, I've talked about this with many people, um, there was some stuff that was going on behind the scenes that he's not going to address because he's a professional. But th- I guarantee you what it was was the fact that Oklahoma's made it into the college football playoffs before, and they've been in major bowl games, and they've lost. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, the uh, the academic department got tired of it. They didn't want to deal with that anymore, and they were in his ear. And especially with them losing the Battle of Bedlam, they were probably in his ear because this is the thing: you're you're not gonna automatically be like, "I'm going to coach at USC" if there has been no conversations. That's obviously he's been talking to them, and I think what it is, he just got tired of people in his ear at Oklahoma. He's not going to say that, and he's going to say that he had a good time, which he probably did for with the players' perspective. But he probably got tired of upper management telling him that they need to win national championships and win games, even though he's been the most winningest coach in the Big 12 for a while. So I think there was some stuff going on with, with Oklahoma, and he was like, you know what, I'm out, uh, I'm done, and um, good for him. Now, USC is not very good. Um, so, I mean, but Hey, you know, he's going to be happy there. So, so good for him. There's definitely worse places to to start over than USC though. You've got a nice pipeline of recruits Yeah. Um, from California and the surrounding region. And you have, but he has to be prepared for that. Cause Oregon gets a lot of, uh, a lot of recruits. Yeah. But, but now I, that but you no, can go, Hey, by the way, we have Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Riley. No, I'm not saying that that won't spike recruitment. That would bring you at USC up. Cause this last year they were 31 nationally. So, no, that will give them a huge spike. I mean, one of Oklahoma's, uh, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school 
he already just decommitted because Lincoln oh, yeah. Riley wasn't going to be OU there. OU is in shambles right now. Decommits that makes left me, and that right. Makes I know me that. So I knew that would make you happy. Even, even though the Longhorns <laughs> are going nowhere but home, it makes me so happy to know that OU is in shambles. OU is in shambles. Um, and as far as Brian Kelly going to LSU, being their coach from Notre Dame, I think that um, for him, because he's been Notre Dame's coach for a while, I think for him it would be his is more of a, he wants to try a new venture. I think he may have been like, yeah, you know, this is maybe as far as I can take Notre Dame. And I've been here for a long time. I want to try somewhere else. And plus, LSU probably offered him a lot more money. Because I, I can't see Notre Dame being like, fine, we'll let you go. I think LSU made a very enticing offer. I think, well, word on the street is as well is that he had like a list of six different things that he took to administration with stuff like, facilities upgrades and yeah. all this stuff and they were like nah so he was basically just like okay well i'll go somewhere that has the stuff that i want but or at least will or at least will give it to me when yeah. i ask for I, it i was honestly shocked because lincoln riley i get especially after losing to o oklahoma state you're done like cfp wise right yeah so you're like okay let's just I'm, I'm gonna move on and get started early notre dame is not technically out yet no and honestly, the one thing that may keep Notre Dame from moving up, I don't know if the CFP looks at it, but the fact that Brian Kelly is not there seems like a big detractor when you're looking at moving up. I know they don't play this week, but if it had to come down to a team without their head coach that got them there or with their head coach that got them there, I'm going to go with the team that still has their head coach. Yeah, I I would see that. But I was just shocked that you know, like like I said, you're not technically out. Like, no, if if some no, of these teams he, lose, that's how you, you know he was in. fed up with management. He's yeah. like, all right, I'm done. So the other crazy, the the other kind of flip flop, uh, the big um, rumor for the Notre Dame job coming up. There's a couple of them. Uh, the Cincinnati coach, Luke Fickle, is uh, one of the names being brought up as the he'll stay at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's about to pay him a ton of money to keep him there. They better because if he he's looking at that Notre Dame job pretty seriously. Well, because it's a bigger school with sure. a bigger following. But if Cincinnati, because here's the thing, Oklahoma was looking at Bob Stoops' brother Mark, the Kentucky coach. Kentucky's number twenty five. Um. So, so, but but Kentucky locked him down to a to like a few years extension. So I see Cincinnati doing that because there's no way they're stupid enough. To be like, man, this coach got us to an undefeated season. We're just going to forget all of that because we're not going to pay him. I doubt that. So the other big name that, and he has already kind of denied it, but we know that that doesn't mean anything. Uh, Urban Meyer has Ur received some buzz. and No, see, Urban needs to stay somewhere and sit down. Either Because this is my thing. Either you're going to be a commentator or either you're going to be an NFL head coach. Do, do, do something, but what? don't do this, I'm going to retire – I'm going to be a head coach in the NFL. I'm going to go back to cut. Don't, don't do that. Either sit down somewhere, pick a side, or or just stay out of it. Because, honestly, I don't see that being a, a, a plus for them. Because we've kind of seen how Urban Meyer has handled himself on a professional level when the season started. And it wasn't good. He did not have respect from his players. I, I if, if Notre Dame is smart, I, I would keep looking around and... And in my opinion, they're looking in the wrong places if they're looking at Cincinnati's coach knowing that they're probably going to lock him down. I'm telling you, Ryan, there is no way they're not locking him up. If they don't, they're idiots. I know crazier things have happened, I, but if they don't, 
They're idiots. And like you said, maybe he'll want to go because he'd be like, man, I want to test my skills at Notre Dame. Maybe he will do that. I just But Cincinnati would be stupid to let him do that. I The problem is, is I would have said it would be stupid for Lincoln Riley to leave everything that he's got full control over everything football related at OU. And he was like, I'm out. Bye. That's, so, that's what, it's management. Crazy management things got, have happened. Management upset him. He was like, all right, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this with you people. I, I can't. You're driving me insane. I'm not doing this. All right. Well, if you had to pick a conference game to watch, a conference championship game to watch this weekend, what what are your eyes on this weekend? My eyes this weekend, obvious. Well, um, that's actually a gotta, tough one. You got to pick one game to watch because this is all going to be pretty good, but you got to pick one game out of them. Honestly, the game that I would choose to watch as the the biggest one with the most value, um, man, that is hard. Because originally I was going to be like, oh, yeah, because the two biggest names is Bama, Georgia. But both of them are going to make it anyway, you know, depending on how everything else plays out. I mean, they're, and plus, I don't see them kicking Alabama out unless it's really egregious at this point. Um but I think I'll still go with Bama, Georgia, because, um, you know, because it's always let, let's see how Georgia can they thrash Bama. If they can, that'd be interesting. So let, let's see how that plays out. That's fair. Um, Give me Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Baylor. Yes, yeah. because Oklahoma State uh, is looking to make a very strong contention for one of those spots. And Baylor's looking for revenge. So the storylines are the storylines are nice on that one. Oh, we're and talking I about storylines now. I think it's gonna be a good game. If I had to pick one game to watch, I'd probably pick that one. Yeah. Um since you took Georgia Bama, I think that's, you know, probably a good one as well. I mean, I'm but, gonna watch all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna watch them all, but that's not the question. Well, you know, Ryan, sometimes questions are made to be unanswered. <laughs> well, college football. I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about this next week so we actually have the full picture and then we can give predictions. Uh, don't go anywhere, because unfortunately, next we have to talk about the boys who are struggling yet again. I mean, we don't have to. Oh, skip that. Oh, no, we, we got to. Dang it. We got to. I'll try and keep calmer this time, though. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard, still here, still talking sports. Where else would we be, Ryan? No, uh, there's nowhere I'd rather be on a Wednesday, Mason. <laughs> I appreciate that. And unfortunately, it is that time of the program where we have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. The downward spiral has quickly uh, picked up, picked up pace. They dropped. They ruined everybody's Thanksgivings on Thursday. Yeah, by dropping a game to the Las Vegas Raiders, who had lost three straight at the 29th ranked run defense, and we still couldn't figure it out. And I don't even know where to point the finger first on this I, one. I'll be honest. It. it I, can, I don't. I, I don't think you. I think it's just an all around thing. You can't just be like, well, this. It just. You just pointed at everybody at this point. It. Ugh. The defense, I thought, was not terrible for most of the game. Yeah. Dak looked really good. Yeah. And looked really bad. 
And McCarthy still just makes my head hurt. I don't... Like we said last week, this is... The Raiders and the Saints are a team where if you let them come in and are not prepared to play, they'll beat you. Yes. And they did. You did not come ready. You got... By, by the way, Anthony Brown has now been permanently exposed. Well, I by, mean, let, let, let's face it. Anthony Brown, you know, he, he can't cover his nose with a tissue. He can't cover a wound with a Band-Aid. He'd been decent, but eh. once once the Raiders are like, okay, Deshaun Jackson, which, by the way, Deshaun Jackson has got to be, like, top five cowboy killer. Oh, without a doubt. He has been haunting seeing us him, for years. Seeing him. No, it's funny. I, had, I, I forgot he got picked up by Oakland. I had so PTSD when I saw watching someone, him play. So yeah. when I saw someone flying down the sidelines with a football in their hand about to score for Oakland, and they said, well, that's Deshaun J. I said, oh, God, not him. He has got, like, he, no, he, Philadelphia, he, without a doubt, Washington, he is now a the top, Raiders. He's, he's a cowboy killer for sure because he enjoys it. He relishes oh, in yeah. that. I... One of the I will say this one of the more underrated receivers in the league, in my opinion. I, Anthony Brown, like basically teams. I are, didn't know why they kept. I don't. I did not know why they kept Anthony Brown on him. I would have put Diggs on him. Yeah, in my opinion. at that point, because ba- you know, basically what it came down to was Jackson would just beat him off the ball, and yes. Brown would have to hold him. Yes, because he was too fast, and yes. that's how you get four PIs. Which, by the way, one of them. When, yeah, yeah, sure. Brown grabbed the back of the jersey a little bit, but immediately, like, the ball wasn't even close, and Jackson just threw up his hands, looked around. The ball ended up, like, three yards behind him. He never even looked to make a catch. If the defender has to turn around and make a catch to try and make a play on the ball, the receiver should at least have to try and make a play on the ball. I agree with you. No, I, no, I, I will 100% agree Because they called PI, and he wasn't even looking for the ball, just looking around, like, so. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I will agree with you on that because if you, if, if for a ball to be, and I think that would be better if for it to be deemed catchable, the receiver has to be able to try to make a play on it. Yeah, he didn't even try. He didn't even look for the ball. But they just go with, oh, is the ball in his catch radius vicinity? So, I mean, it's just like, a franchise record, 166 yards and penalties. Yeah, we are the most penalized team in the league. And that is coaching. Oh, yeah, that, that's 100%, 100% coaching. Lack of discipline. And since we're talking about coaching and penalties, glad we segue that into that nicely. Let's hear what McCarthy had to say about the penalties at the end of last week's game. About the uh, number of big plays given up by the de- your defense today and also the, the big pass interference calls. Put all that together just... Well, the big plays, I mean, that was obviously a part of their offense uh, approach, you know, has been particularly in a number of situations. They're effective with it today. Uh, 28 penalties. I, I really, I mean, what, I don't know what the hell you want me to say. I mean, so right what you want. I'm all for it. Okay. Please tell me that was a joke and that wasn't our coach. That is the weakest response I have ever heard from a coach about that. Yeah. Those penalties are coaching problems. And the fact that you just said, oh, I don't know what you want me to say. Well, figure it out. You're the coach. This is what you get paid to do. If you have to go cookie cutter and say, well, we'll fix it. Even if you have to do that, do that. But don't say, you write whatever you want. I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah. It's just like. That's, yeah. So uh, as the great Shannon Sharp says every when I watch him in the morning, you either coach it or you condone it. Yeah. So they're either coaching penalties or they're allowing it to be okay. Like, at some point after the third P.I., you're going to go, okay, and Brown cannot cover Deshaun Jackson, We're right? moving. 
See, this this is what because I've I've been seeing it on the sidelines. Mike McCarthy is is a plump Jason Garrett. I'm sorry. He's a plump Jason Garrett. Because you, Dallas will come off the field, they'll go three and out. And he, he's just over there clapping. I, I'm I'm having flashbacks because I'm having nightmares about it. Seeing Ginger Snap over there just just clapping his hands and it, it it's it's bothering me. And by the way, how do you not Challenge. So, uh, 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 just recap oh, the play. Oh yeah. Um, it's a pass. I don't. I think. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was Waller made the catch. Waller took two. What looked to be like a third step. Looked like he tucked the ball away and was turning up field. And I don't remember who exactly knocked it out, but they punched it out. The ball bounces through the sideline. And one of the plays of the year, by the way, was Curse jumping in. That was Neil. Neil Keon, jumping in. Keon Neil throwing the ball behind him while he's in the air to keep it in bounds for yeah. a fumble recovery that turned into a touchdown. How? And they ruled it an incomplete pass. How do you not even if you like just throw the challenge flag there? First of all, I know you aren't using all your timeouts. You showed no. us that you're not going to use all your timeouts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. losing a timeout ain't going to be a big deal for you. But it's a momentum swinging play. It really is. I. I didn't think too much of it, but you know, looking back on it, I, you know, McCarthy, I, I, and I think what we underestimate. Now I'm giving him a little bit more credit, you know, than he deserves, but I think when when the booth is just telling you, no, just let this one go. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have coach's fortitude and be like, yeah, I think I'm gonna do this anyway. But I think he was just really listening to the people in the booth. I think the great coaches are ones that can read a game. And be like, you know what? Maybe you're saying no, but it looks close enough that if we make him look at it, maybe we get it. Well, see, we had that and Jimmy Johnson, but Jerry ran him off because Jimmy wasn't and, gonna, you know, be a puppet. For and him. even Nance and Romo were like, "Yeah, that sure looks like a fumble to us." Yeah, but on that's, the that's the thing, you know. I, I I don't I don't know how much I you know you know Romo's he's shown a lot of of, of talent behind the booth, but when he was playing, if ignorance is bliss, Tony Romo's ecstatic. But, but I'm just saying. Here's the thing again. What do you lose if you miss the challenge? Nothing, because it was an incomplete pass. You lose yeah. the timeout, and the timeout, which, from what I recall, didn't end up mattering anyway towards the end of the first half. Yeah. So you lose a timeout that didn't end up mattering. If you get it, that's an entirely game-changing play that you score an extra seven on. Yeah. And then I believe they went down and scored... A field goal on yeah. that one, I think. So it's a 10-point swing. Yeah. That's at least worth throwing the flag for, in my opinion. Like, at least, like, make them look at it. Because, again, you lose nothing if it, they end up staying with the ruling on the field. You don't lose anything from it. I I just, I can't figure out why we are having such a hard time Figuring this one out. Honestly, I I don't even think just, the Oakland game is something you figure out. I just think what it comes down to is Dallas played sloppy. They they there was no discipline on really either side of the ball, and they left the door open for Oakland to win. Dallas once again was playing not to lose. This this was classic Cowboys playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And I. Obviously, there's some kind of disconnect going on because Jerry Jones said during the uh, after the game that the plan was for Pollard to touch the ball 25 times in the game plan. 
He got nowhere near 25 touches. No. He rushed 10 times and had four catches. This is the 29th ranked rushing defense, and you ran the ball 20 times total with Dak Prescott getting one carry out of the 20. Zeke had nine for 25. Tony Pollard had 10 for 36. Against the 29th ranked rushing defense. I'm going to say it again. Dak is, since entering the league, undefeated when they rush more than pass. This year, he's 0-4 when you don't get 100 yards rushing. The stats don't lie. We are a running football team with one of the best one-two combos yeah. in football with Elliott and Pollard. Probably, I would put him at number two, only being behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in, in Cleveland. Yeah. They are a top-two duo when it comes to running the football. I mean, they are, yeah. And we just, we, there was no point in that game, again, where I thought the game was so out of hand, except for maybe the fourth quarter, but there's no point where I thought the game was so out of hand that you did not need to run the football. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely felt like they could have run the ball more, and they should have. I, I, you know, especially when you have no Cooper, no uh, who I also blame CD. for these losses. Yeah. I blame Mari Cooper for no this Cooper, too. no CD. So you don't have your two best receivers. So why are you throwing the ball forty-seven times? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's you know, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to build on-field chemistry with Dak and Noah Brown and some of these lower guys, and it's just not the right place to do stuff like that. And I will say this, just because Noah Brown or Cedric Wilson are able, or more so Noah Brown, because he had some drops and Cedric did too, just because they're able to demolish your corners in practice does not mean they're going to do it to everybody else. Yeah, And I think Dallas, and this is going to sound real stupid because if you know football, you know that doesn't mean anything, but I think Dallas they try to take what they've done in practice and apply it in a game setting as far as, oh, okay, well, they've been able to beat our corners. Yeah, one of your corners is Anthony Brown. I don't feel like it's hard for anybody to beat him. So, yeah, you know, I I definitely feel like they should have run the ball more. I hate that Jerry knew that they they were supposed to run it 25 times. I wish he'd stay out of it. Yes, Um, because you know what? I have a quote from him for the Saints game as well. And you know what he said? Uh, He said, hold on, where is it? What do you say? My name is Jerry Jones. Like nobody knew that. Um. Oh, McCarthy has hinted that the Cowboys might rest Ezekiel Elliott with the star running back having increasing difficulty getting around on an injured right knee. But owner slash general manager Jerry Jones said on his radio show he expected Elliott to quote unquote have a serious load against New Orleans. So what is it? Because obviously that serious load that Pollard was supposed to have against the Raiders didn't happen. Now we don't even know because if Elliott it, is even going to play, but you're saying he's going to have a serious load. This the now, now do you see why I want Jerry Jones to be quiet nowadays? Yeah, I agree with you. He uh, he needs to get a general manager and just sit back and write the checks. Even if the because general he's really manager good at is, writing the checks. No, he really is. Even if the general manager is his kid, I don't care. But Jerry's got too much power. And like I said, this radio show nonsense. And it's, it's just, it, it's just and in my opinion, people don't think this matters. It does. It's messing the team's chemistry up yeah. when you've got Jerry like, oh, Zeke is going to have a heavy load. And then... Because, by the way, McCarthy might have said that with full intention of playing Zeke anyway. This yeah. is the kind of gamesmanship that happens in the NFL. Yes. Because 
if you don't know if he's going to play, you still have to game plan as if he's going to play. This is exactly I wish, and I knew they weren't going to do it again, but do you remember when I said I love when Dallas did with Minnesota? They mm -hmm. didn't let them know that it was mm -hmm. going to be Cooper Rush, and then it turned out to be Cooper, and we won anyway. Yep. Ever since then, Jerry's been running his mouth, and the Dallas has been leaking stuff. They, I wish they would go back to moving in silence. And more so, Jerry, I wish he would live in silence. I wish he would be one of those yep. owners that doesn't like talking because he's got this stupid radio show and he just sits up there and tells tells people, yeah, Zeke is going to have a heavy load because that sounds good. And I think one of the things that bothers me is that you don't give teams a chance to be prepared to shut down Tony Pollard because or have to. And I think, and I think that's that's one of the reasons probably why. They, I'm not saying you know they shouldn't have done it anyway, but I think that's one of the reasons probably why that they decided to abort running it 25 times because Jerry had made it known. Yeah, you know we're we're gonna run it with Pollard at least with 25 carries. You don't give people that stuff to predict. Well, it was after the game. Well, I know, but still, yeah. you you don't give people that because no. now. If Zeke doesn't play, that's something teams can expect. So it mm -hmm. still carries on down the line. Yeah. You don't give people that. And I think because Mike McCarthy, you know, he he just doesn't have the fortitude to stick up and just run the team. You know, if, if we took his fortitude and just bowled it towards a drinking straw, it would look like a kernel of corn going into a storm drain at this point. It He, he, he has none. He just he's standing there clapping, not being good with the clock, and he's just letting Jerry do all the talking. I wish, but it'll never happen again. I wish we could get someone like a Jimmy Johnson, where it's like, this is my team. I'm going to run it. You can tell me what to say. I may say it. I may not. You never know. Like, he's still respectful to Jerry, but he's not going to follow behind Jerry and do everything Jerry tells him to do as far as, well, you need to do this for the play calling. Jerry, stay in the booth. This this is my team. I, I wish we could get somebody like that. And I honestly thought that was going to be McCarthy, seeing as he's won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. No, but the, no. The more I watch, the more it's clear that, that Aaron, he was, it was absolutely it was, it, it was carried Aaron. to a Super Bowl by Aaron Rodgers and that stout Green Bay defense. And he that had is true. very little to do with it. No, very I agree little. with you on that. Now, now that I'm seeing this, this is a mess. So... Enough about last week because yeah, please. Next week, uh, okay, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna say this. Okay, go and ahead. I want go you ahead to, and say I want you to agree with me or disagree with me. I want you to tell me why. Okay. Uh, all right. This game determines the rest of your season. If you go and you lose to a Saints team with Taysom Hill as the quarterback, mm -hmm. they probably have Alvin Kamara back. Definitely have Ingram back, and you're down players and you're down your coach. This would make it three straight losses, four yes. out of the last five. Then you go away to Washington, who's played really well. Oh, yeah, Washington and Philly are starting to win games. Then you go away to um, the Giants yes. and then home against Washington. Yes, and then we the, have Arizona after you, that, I think. Yes, yeah. and then the Eagles away. Yeah. So three of your remaining divisional games are, at, are away. If you lose this game, the Eagles are playing the Jets. Yes. They should win. Yes. And Washington's playing the Raiders. We don't. We'll see how that shapes up. Depending, I mean, if Washington plays the way they have been, they're like the hottest team in football, so they should win. You could theoretically go into this next week with a one-game divisional lead. Yeah. If you lose and these other teams win. You, no, I agree. That, I agree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you at all. This is the game that this decides. Is the game. 
Because this either gets you back on track, or or it just shows or that we're about you. Yeah, yes. implodes. Yes. No, I agree. This is the game where Dallas has to prove themselves. And honestly, you're lucky that you went six and one somehow. Oh yeah. Because that's the only reason you have a game lead. Yeah. And, and that the other teams were playing like garbage to start. Because you look at the uh, you look at the Rams who have lost three of their last four. Yeah. They're no longer leading the division. They're like they're like two games down now. Yeah. After losing three out of four, because that division's actually competitive. Yeah, because it's Seattle, the Rams. The 49ers, the 49ers and, and uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I am, like I said last week, you're not going to hear me getting all, oh, Cowboys to the Super Bowl because they have not earned that. No, I'm, they have like, not. And yeah. now I'm looking at it going like, there's every chance because this is would be the ultimate Cowboys thing to do would be to start off 6-1. Start and one, off hot 6-1. and one. And then you just completely implode. When on paper you are one of the best teams in the NFC, yeah, on paper, really in the NFL we were the highest scoring team. Yes, and ooh, you're the highest scoring team in the NFL, and you can't get a two point conversion from the one yard line. Oh boy, I saw that trick play, and I was like, I saw it too. I knew it was going nowhere. I, I knew it. Uh, well, because Zeke, have, Zeke tossed it like ten yards but, back. But you have the you love the jumbo set here with that. Lineman as a fullback. Yeah. You love that set. It's on the one. You can't. You're telling me that Zeke or Pollard or you can't QB sneak it for a yard. You can't it, it, hand it's it more off. more so they, they should have QB I sneaked bet, it. I bet I could hand that off to who's it? Martin. I bet I could hand that off to Martin at the fullback and Martin could just plow into line and move it enough with his bolt for a yard. Yeah. The Cowboys left. A missed extra point, yes. a missed two-point conversion, yes. a holding call that turned a touchdown into a field goal, and I yes. know I said enough about last week. But they left like seven points on the board and then went into overtime. Yeah. And now you're going into a Saints team, which, by the way, the Cowboys against the Peyton at the Dome, one and three since Peyton took over in the Dome. This yeah, is it's a, not a good record. This is a rivalry that Saints fans love. Oh, the rest of their season could go down the tubes. They could not make the playoffs, but this is their Super Bowl this year. Yeah, yeah, for some reason, Saints fans love to play Dallas and beat Dallas. And I I lived in Baton Rouge for a year. And that's, you know, basically uh, they're basically Saints fans because they don't have their own pro thing. And (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) that apart from LSU games, Cowboys Saints is a marquee matchup for him. I yeah, everybody no, in is. Louisiana that's I, a Saints I have, fan. I have I have friends from Louisiana and and that support the Saints. Yeah, I know. So this is a if there's one game that the Saints are going to show up for, it's going to be this one. And you're going into the dome. Uh, you got to come prepared otherwise you're done again. And you're, yeah, you're I, you know, I would I really want Dallas to come out with some fire, but we'll see. We'll see. I just I I'm looking at this. This going, is the game that decides is, our season, though. This is it. This is where you figure out whether you're going going far or you're going home. Yeah. Cause even like you could even squeak into the wild card if you don't win your division. But if you don't, you're probably playing Green Bay. Yeah. Or the Cardinals. No, that's the thing. Or if the you, Bucks. if you're going to the wild card, you are playing some of the best teams. Yeah. So yeah, no. Yeah, you're playing either Green Bay, the Cardinals, the Bucks, possibly the Rams. Yeah, who knows? I, I think I think it'll probably be the Rams. But yeah, yeah. So if you don't win your division, your job gets exponentially harder 
And I'm looking at this going, there's every chance that having to play three divisional road games means you don't make it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Man, I, the Cowboys just make my head hurt sometimes. I said I was gonna, not going to be as upset as last time. And here I am talking about how the Cowboys are just, oh, gosh. And you know what? I'm actually happy that McCarthy's not, guys, the COVID, and he's not going to be there because I think that actually makes the team better. We'll see. He obviously doesn't know how to motivate him. No, no, he does not. He obviously doesn't know how to make in-game coaching decisions. No, he does not. So you just sit there on your Zoom calls, tell the team, okay, guys, let's go have a good game against the Saints, and you go sit down with a beer and watch how the Cowboys play without you because either they're going to play really badly, yeah, in which case you're going to have a job for a little bit longer, or if they win, I don't even see a reason to keep you. Stay well, home. Well, no, you know, Jerry likes a puppet. Oh, my gosh. All right, enough, Cowboys. I'm done. That's please, yeah, please. <laughs> You're killing That's me. It. All right, back to uh, back to the good stuff. So we're do- going back to our Mount Rushmore series. Coming up next, we're talking about the greatest receivers of all time. In our opinion. Don't go nowhere. Welcome back to the main events. Brian Baldwin, Mason Shepard. You know the deal, folks. Mount Rushmore time yet again. We've done quarterbacks. We've done running backs. Now we're moving on to the receivers. We'll slowly make our way through the roster. Maybe, I don't think long snappers will (laughs) will be as fun. Not going to happen. (laughs) You don't want to do the Mount Rushmore of long snappers? Not if you won't, don't want to see the Mount Rushmore me falling asleep. Oh, lame. All right. Well, do you want to lead or you want me to take over? Okay. The first. Okay. The first thing. First things first. Um, we're going to first say this at the same time. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. I want to go ahead and get this out of the way. <laughs> and then I'm gonna do mine because I know we're getting so, <laughs> we're getting this out of so the Ma- way. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Mount Rushmore minus one because Jerry Rice. Is Jerry up there we'll on go, both. because at this point, if, if you don't understand. The greatness of Jerry Rice. Let's just explain for the people, though. This man could yeah, no. not only catch, but his yak ability, yards after catch. Oh, yeah. And he was one of the, the best the players thing. in the game with the yard, with the ball in his hands after making the but catch. But that's the thing. The funny thing about Jerry is Jerry was not at all. Jerry is not what we would call like, like a flash player. And what I mean by that is Jerry was not fast. It wasn't like he was slow, but his 40 time wasn't like, oh, my God, this guy's like, no. They like Jerry Rice was like an average speed guy, but his hands. Jerry Rice, he used to catch bricks with his bare hands to practice. That's how you know Jerry Rice is number one <laughs> on this mountain. When you can, and they weren't just like, oh, we're just going to toss bricks. No, they were throwing them like footballs, and he was catching bricks with yep. his bare hands. Jerry Rice is incredible, man. And I think what I love most about Jerry Rice He's just so marketable, and he's just so personable, and he's just someone that he didn't get in a lot of trouble. He cared about the game of football. He wanted to be a champion first, uh, a, a diva, never. Um, and I just think that Jerry Rice, man, God, you know, what what a legend. And he, 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 he in my opinion, he was the original possession receiver. In that he was a receiver, is like he he he'll get you a nice you know he get you a nice yak, but um that's a weird sentence, <laughs> but um but when it comes down to 
you know who can catch the ball, you always bet on Jerry. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we both have Jerry. Um, second one, uh, I've got to, we're going to put another 49er on here. Terrell Owens, T.O. I know you're going to complain. Painful. I'm not going to complain, but that's T.O. Brian, T.O. is third painful. all time, and T.O. is top five in pretty much every record. But he disrespected the star, man. Look, look, <laughs> look. Man. But he ended up wearing one on his helmet, so he looked like an idiot after that. But my point is, we can all talk about T.O.'s uh, antics. We can all talk about him being a locker room cancer, whatever you want to call him. Terrell Owens loved the game of football, and he played it. He played in the Super Bowl on a broken leg, for one. Two, he was incredible. You want a hybrid athlete? It was Terrell Owens before the next person on my list, who I'll get to later. But Terrell Owens, he was, and I think his antics overshadowed his talent in a lot of people because he was he was very good. Like you, it, it it wasn't until people stopped talking about his antics and looked at the numbers and like, oh, he's third all time in receiving yards. He's I think top five in receptions. He has these stats. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, he has the stats for it, and he played the game well. How he conducted himself, that's always subject to criticism. But Terrell Owens is definitely on this list. My uh my third, and this is a very special one to me. My cousin, Detroit Lions Hall of Fame wide receiver Megatron Calvin Johnson. When you want to talk about a hybrid athlete, this man was six foot five, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Had a vertical out of the gym, ran as fast as the eye could possibly imagine, and hands like catcher's mitts dropped nothing. It was rare. He was just a freak athlete, and this is the, this is the thing. Now, I know people would be like, why is he on the Mount Rushmore? He never won anything. You put him on a team with a Rodgers or a Brady or a Manning. Really doesn't matter which Manning, but preferably Peyton. You <laughs> Archie put him on, even? Even Archie. <laughs> he would have turned the Aints into the, well, no, they would have still been the Aints. But anyway, you'd put Calvin Johnson on a team with a with a suitable quarterback, and you tell me he's not a Super Bowl champion right now. He's a, He was phenomenal. You couldn't cover the guy. You had to put three people on him. You had to put four on him, and even then, he still may catch it over you. Calvin Johnson was just an incredible player. I wish he could have played longer, but, you know, to see him dominate and break some of Jerry's records, actually. Uh, I think he broke Jerry's records for receptions, So, and, and even receiving yards. So I think Calvin Johnson definitely deserves to be on this list because he was Megatron. He was a freak, and again, he was another guy— wasn't a diva, you know, just played the game, wanted to win. Unfortunately, he was on Detroit, and they were not going to let him go anytime soon. But what a freak athlete. And fourth, I had a little bit of trouble with. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm bringing up two people because I'm going to tell you who I'm debating. As far as longevity and playing at a consistent high level, I've got Larry Fitz because Larry Fitzgerald is very, very, very consistent. He's played for a long time and currently not playing currently not playing but look how long it has taken him to get to this point and he's not technically retired so he could exactly so he could come back he's kept his body in great shape not a diva you throw anything his way he can catch it he's tough he's brazilian great possession receiver larry fitzgerald definitely but i was torn because another person i would love to put on this list is the playmaker of course michael irvin um it's michael irvin 
And I, and I think when you look at the dynamic of the Cowboys and the big three, Michael Irvin was always there, and Michael Irvin was the playmaker for a reason. He could turn, he could take something that was for no gain, and then next thing you know, there's a touchdown. That was Michael. And I think, again, the same thing with T.O. If you take away the antics, Michael Irvin was just phenomenal. And I think Michael Irvin, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, and every guy that, um, you know, I think Larry Fitzgerald would be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I you know that 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 that's my list. I, now, now, I'm going to go ahead and guess Randy Moss is on your list. Is Chris Carter on your list? No. Okay. But Randy Moss, mm-hmm. so again, my criteria for the Hall of Fame, or for the Mount Rushmore, is these Who's guys needed the to game, change yeah. the game. When you have your own type of catch named <laughs> after you, and it's now a thing, because yeah. you got Moss is a you thing You got Moss. Now. Yo, that's a very much a thing. He Ra- should really patent that. His <laughs> stats were amazing. This man could beat you in every which way, but generally the deep ball. And yeah. he made a career out of making defenders look silly. He would catch it behind you, on top of you, oh, yeah. left, right, center. And then there'd be times where he just beat you and you were five yards behind him. Yeah. And so Randy Moss had fantastic stats as well. I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but it was kind of, there was a couple of them that I was looking at as well, like Calvin Johnson, because um, he kind of also popularized that receiver where you just threw it up to him like a back shoulder in the end zone or something like that. Yeah. Just let him go get it. Um, and... Yeah, so there's a couple people I was debating there, but Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and then I'm going way, way back in the time machine for this next one. Oh, boy. Way, way back to the 1930s. Oh, God. Mr. Donald Montgomery Hudson for the Green Bay Packers. I hate when you do this. this (laughs) Why? Look, this guy is credited with creating most of the modern pass routes that are run by the NFL today. That's interesting. And he was the first 1,000-yard receiver in the NFL ever Yeah, in a time where it was basically rushing as yeah, well. So uh, yeah, this true. is not like 1,000 yards today where it's like, oh, yeah, cool, that's a good season. No, no that was like— This was—everybody runs it, but this guy is also going to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Gotcha. And he created a lot of the modern pass routes to use in the NFL today. Gotcha. So he's kind of credited as the first modern receiver. He kind of played split in, but also would move out and play receiver. So— you gotta, you gotta put in terms of players that change the game. He's up there, yeah, for sure. Did you say his name was Don Hudson, Donald Montgomery Hudson? Wow, back in the 1930s when he played for the Green Bay Packers. Wow, and then now this one, there's absolutely zero chance you're guessing this one, but this guy. Okay, uh, we got to make this into a game here, folks. Is okay. he old or new? Is 2000s. 2000s, okay. Um, so newer. What? Uh, I can't, you know, because that would give it away. Okay, uh, what conference? AFC. AFC, okay. Um, I'll give you three guesses. Oh, okay. AFC, 2000s. Is it Reggie? Nope. Marvin? Nope. Oh, Where are you? Crap! <laughs> you said it! Dang it. Um, oh, man. Good guesses, though. Good no, because I'm trying to think. 2000s. Are we talking about like 2000s or 2010s or late seven, late, late 2007, late 2000s to early 2010s? Oh man. Um. God. I'm lost. Hit me. The man that turned the slot receiver into a speedy little guy and made it popular 
Wes Welker. Wes. Ah. The man. So we Wes see Welker. this. We see this gotcha. lot now where the slot receiver is not necessarily the biggest guy. No. He's not necessarily the most straight-up strength and big guy, but yeah. he is speedy, Yeah, and he knows how to find the holes in coverage. And we see this with, you know, Amendola came after him, Cole Beasley came after yep. him, all these guys that are shorter playing the slot. Wes Welker was that first. Yeah. And he won—I mean, he, he won a bunch of Super Bowls with the— with the Patriots, yeah, and Belichick really knew how to make that work, and he had Tom Brady to throw it to him. But then he, he found performance-enhancing drugs. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he did. You know, he you did. can't negate that, Ryan. I can't, but he did popularize. But he did, yes. That Wes Welker of, was. Yeah, as man, I'm surprised I didn't get that. The, West, the smaller, because it was also kind of the thing too, where. I mean, usually the slot receivers before would just kind of be a bigger guy that would run like a five-yard stop, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he would, you know, kind of box out. Stop and go. Yeah. But these guys, the, yeah, he could he could do drags across the middle, had no fear, even though he was like 5'8", 5'9". Yeah, five, no, nine. Wes Welker was very fearless, and he didn't talk much either. No, and but he was speedy, had a 4'6", 5'40", yeah. which is pretty good, but he really popularized that kind of slot receiver that we see a lot today, Yeah, as opposed to just kind of a big dude that can't nearly run as fast, so... I like I like that. I, Besides the Don Hudson, which I I didn't know. I mean I'm not no I'm yeah. not saying it wasn't a good pick because it was, but I'm just saying um as far as people I know, Wes Welker, yeah, that was um, I mean with receivers, folks, there's there's so many like um there's so many great ones, man. Gale really Sayers are, is another one that I was yes, thinking about. Yes, there um. Another one I was thinking about besides Randy, his partner in crime, Chris Carter. Chris Carter was really good. Chris Carter had amazing hands. Um, you know, when when we get into more of a modern age, yep. I mean, we didn't even pick Marvin Harrison. No, that's what I'm saying. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. I'm saying there were a lot of great receivers, yep. and I think, um, you know, in some of the modern time, who are up for Hall of Fame inductions, and we'll get in later. Andre Johnson was great. Um, now, folks, th this will tell me that you watched football in the early 2000s, if you can remember. This wide receiver, he played for Kansas City, Dwayne Bowe. Anybody remember? I did not watch the AFC when I was Dwayne, that young. Dwayne Bowe was really good, but yet you said Marvin <laughs> and Reggie. Well, I said Reggie, but yet you brought up Marvin. But, but no, Dwayne Bowe was good. I don't think he'll get in, but he was a good wide receiver to watch. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think. Um, when I was talking to my dad, he had mentioned Torrey Holt. Yep. Um, so just... Really good wide receivers, and at Heinz Ward, yeah. Steve Smith is actually up to be in the Hall of. There's just so and you've got many players now that are like surefire like Hall of Famers, right? Yes. Like, uh, I bet by the time Evans and Godwin are done, at least one of them will be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, Evans got Tampa himself Bay. a Super Bowl win. Yeah, he, he'll so be in it. He, he, they've already got, they've already put that one. Um, and there's some, there's some guys you're looking at right now, like Devontae Adams from the Packers, going like, oh yeah, he's easily uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's gonna. He be a, he was so underrated for so long. Hopkins, well, that's because he's on the Texans. Well, yeah, he was on the Texans. And then you had Julio in Atlanta and yeah. Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. and, Julio and, Jones, Calvin Ridley, all these guys. Calvin Ridley, so Julio, Antonio Brown, all these guys. It's insane. But that that gives me an idea. Now, folks, I understand we can't really do a vote on this, but I would actually like to have like the next segment, which we may come up on in a little bit. I would like to change it to um. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. You know, let's talk about like the guys who are like the semifinalists right now, and I want to see your position on whether you think they'll get in, 
whether they're going to have to wait or whether they'll make the cut. Okay. Because it's I'm a very interesting list. All right. So we'll take a look, take a quick break. And when we come back, we will take a look at the current uh, rosters for the Hall of Fame and see what uh, see what their chances are. I like the debate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See what their chances are. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the main event with Ryan Shepard and Mason Baldwin. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Maybe. <laughs> trying, to, trying to see if, if anybody would I don't catch know. that Mason one. Baldwin doesn't sound good. If Doug Baldwin can pull off a Baldwin last name, nah, I'll do it. Let's fine. We'll go back to Ryan Baldwin and Mason Shepard. <laughs> You're going to be like that about my last name. Let's see how it is. 26 modern era players have been named for the 2022 NFL Hall of Fame class. Yep. They are the semifinalists. Some disappointed. Others will win a brand new. Oh, good <laughs> God. Oh, man. Um, So we are going to go down and we're going to talk about each one because there are some names that are. Uh, the ones we remember. <laughs> the ones that we remember are uh, pretty interesting. Yep. It's more so my generation than Ryan's. Oh. I mean, when you look bit. down the list, it is more Some mine than yours. Some of them, yeah. Uh, so let's just start at the top. Um, Eric Allen, quarterback, yeah. uh, played for the Eagles, the Saints, and the Raiders. This is his second time as a semifinalist. Um, 54 career interceptions? Yeah. That's pretty good. Seven fumble recoveries. Um, 787 career combined tackles. That's pretty good, too. This man looks like he was... A, I don't remember him playing very much uh, because he played for the Saints about the time and then Oakland about the time I was actually like paying old enough to pay attention to football. Yeah. But he was a five-time uh, pro bowler and a first-team all-pro. So is it enough to be... Nah, nah. He'll, he'll have he's to wait gonna, a I think bit. he's going to be another semifinalist because they yeah, cut it down be his, to... He'll be a... Yeah. They cut it down to what? Uh, eight... Yeah, yeah. If they're gonna cut it down to eight, I don't know that. Yeah, he's I don't. I don't. I don't to, see uh, him making it through. I don't see that either. Uh, uh. So the fifteen, it'll be fifteen finalists that gets cut down to eight, I believe. Yeah. So I don't see him making that one. Um, there's still plenty of years ahead because it's yeah. only his second time. But I don't know. I I think he was good apparently from his stats, but enough to be. Uh, there's so many names here that will go down. Yeah. I just yeah. Don't know exactly. Yeah. If, uh, if that's the case. Um, next up, Jared Allen. Now I re now that is that's a special place for me because every time he got a sack, he did the the calf rope thing, and I did it too uh, when I was a kid. You know, watching Jared Allen play, he dominated defensive end for Minnesota for he a long was. time. Yeah, he didn't have and much I, of success in Kansas City, but when he went to no, Minnesota, but he when he played at Kansas City, he was a lot older. And I, no, I he started at Kansas. Oh, City. he started at Kansas yeah. City. Okay, my bad. Uh, you know, I when he started at Kansas City, you know, it took some time for him to grow into it, but. Uh, I think Jared Allen, honestly, I think he'll get in because yep. Jared Allen was not only was he, I think he was a Walter Payton man of the year, a pro bowl, all pro five time pro bowler, four time first team all pro. Yeah. He led the league in sacks twice and tied stray hands record for most sacks. In season yeah. He 22. tied it. Yeah. And then my boy Aaron Donald broke yeah. it, but, but yeah, so no, I will, I say Jared Allen gets in and I, even had times in his career, six yeah. interception in his career. Um, I don't know. I think he makes the finalist. Yeah. Uh, I think he gets, he's one of the 15. 
I'm not sure about the. I'm not sure after that because I believe this is this is his second time as a semifinalist. Yeah, so. this is his second time. Yeah, he had. But to I think he, I think he'll get in. It's gonna be. It, I think he's up for the 15, but we'll see about the yeah the final. Well, eight. I think the thing is when we, when we look at um. I think it. I think it's a lot easier for us as analysts if we would just say, "Yeah, I think he'll go to the Hall of Fame." Because if we try to pick out who's the finalist, I think he's going to get there eventually. Yeah, is it this well, year? Well, there's Probably no way not. they're going to keep him out of it all the yeah. time. I, I don't. It, but if you're only taking six to eight at a time, that makes yeah, it that's, that's a lot different. Um, next up, Willie Anderson tackle for the Bengals and the Ravens. Second time as a semifinalist. Now, I I asked my dad about him, and my dad was very very clear that Willie Willie Anderson deserves to go this time around. He is a four time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro. Spent almost all of his time in Cincinnati. Um, looks like he had a pretty solid career. I can't really find much of stats for for it but he had he had 49 blocks <laughs> but um usually i mean i was hoping for like how sacks allowed or yeah sacks like allowed yeah but, yeah but um anytime you can you know anytime you can i mean go they, ahead they and, may make willie yeah. wait but i know my dad was very adamant on how good willie was and then next up ooh, Rondé Rondé Barber. Barber. oh my this man is this, going again at some point now is it yeah this one i don't know but this guy was a heck of a corner yeah, An you know, he, he and his hawk. brother Tiki, actually. Yep. Um, Tiki running back for the Giants. Yeah, I, I love the Barber brothers, and yep. I think I think Rondé will have to wait, but he, I, I think he'll definitely go, because he had a great career. Five-time Pro Bowl, yep. uh, three-time All-Pro, or 47 interceptions, yeah. um, with eight TDs out of it, too. So Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Not, and 15 forced fumbles, so he could, and then 12, am I reading that right? 1,251 combined tackles. So this man could wow. ball hawk and tackle. So I think he definitely is getting in there at no, some point. No, he's getting in there at some point. And one of the few players to have played an entire career with the team is he was there for uh, the entire time at Tampa Bay. Yeah. The only downside is, is this is his fifth time as a semifinalist. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, where? But I think, <laughs> if I not think, now, then when? But I, I think he'll get in uh, eventually. But this list. It's filled with a lot of guys like that. Like, okay, eventually. But, hey, who knows? It, it, they may make it Ron Day's year because it has been five times at this point. Next up, the uh, before Larry Fitzgerald came to town, there was Anquan Bolden. I remember watching Anquan. Uh, his, him being knocked out is still one of the scariest things that I've ever seen. His jaw was wired shut. Um, Anquan Bolden, he won't get in this time, but Anquan Bolden, I think at some point, could make a good run because – he, we, we were talking about possession receivers like Jerry Rice. I think, I think it'd be safe to say Anquan, when, when you know, uh, under Larry, because Larry would be, in my opinion, a modern day Jerry. But Anquan was definitely in in Rice's league as far as having the hands. wasn't that fast, but he was very, very tough. And I think Anquan Bolden, when you want that ball to stay in the hands of the right guy in the end zone, you always threw it his direction because yep. he was such a good possession receiver. So He is um, number nine uh, for the in the NFL for total number of receptions. Yeah. That, 14 in receiving yards. So pretty good stats. No, those are good stats. I mean, if if if, if you're ranked somewhere, you know, he's not Ocho Cinco where he mm -hmm. ranks, you know, 23rd and everything. But three Pro Bowls, no first team All Pros. That could hurt a little bit. But yeah, yeah it's his like first I said, time. It's, it's, it's his, his first, first time. He, no, no, first time. No, he, but um, but knowing Anquan and the good guy that he is, I bet he's just honored to even be considered at this point. Um, let's see. T 
Tony Baselli for the Jaguars. Dad the said, Texans. my dad said for sure he should go. Tony Baselli because really? how good he was. He's only in the league for six years. Yeah, and you know, that would hurt him. But the impact you can have in that short amount of time. I suppose, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. Hold on. Let me pull up uh, Mr. Tony Baselli. See what he's got for uh <laughs> Sack No, he's, oh, well, he's a, in his six years and then went on to injured reserve in his seventh year. So in six years, though, he was a five-time Pro Bowler and a three-time first-team All-Pro. That's pretty stout. Yeah. You, uh, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, think about and it. He you, played. You, six. You played in the league six years, and for five of those years, you were a Pro Bowler. Yeah. That's uh, okay. I uh, I will. I'll walk that back. That that seems pretty solid. Um, this is also his seventh semifinal appearance. Yeah, so. you know, I think it's a lot harder for old linemen just because I mean, we we they don't have like the big stats, you know. Yeah, and I think stuff like you know the metrics that we're using now for like sacks allowed and all this stuff. Yeah, like that that's new stuff that we didn't track on older players exactly right? yeah so i think if we i think if some of these guys had the metrics that we were using that we're using now back then i bet it'd be a lot easier for some of them to get in yeah but it is definitely harder you know when you don't have those extra stats pointed oh yeah this guy was actually really good by the way yeah uh next up leroy butler safety leroy butler played for the green bay packers yep in the 90s and 2000s Four-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, uh, 38 interceptions, 889 tackles, 13 forced fumbles. Um, I He'll wait. He's going to wait because if if Rondé Barber hasn't gotten in yet, he ain't getting in yet. No. He's had a good career, but just based on stats, Barber has had a better career. Better career, yeah. So um, this is his fifth semifinalist uh, as well. Yeah, he'll um, keep waiting. So, yeah, the, the, if, if one of them's going to get—if I'm going to pick one of them first— is going to be Ronde, Ronde first. Um, next up, Eddie George. He'll go. It's it's Eddie George. Running back for the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Oilers. It's Eddie. Anytime G- you move from Houston to Tennessee, from uh, Houston to Tennessee, you know you're you're gotta you gotta at least be uh, considered. That's a heck of a move. It's 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 Eddie George. He'll he'll be in. And plus, I think what helps Eddie George get in. And I think this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. It's like we see Eddie George a lot. Like he does analysis. And I think that's important because that's why uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, who's also on this list, Reggie sometimes doesn't get considered because we don't see a lot of Reggie anymore. Once he retired, he just, you know, disappeared. So I think, you know, media availability is something that they do consider. So. Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the things that may hurt him a little bit is that his stats aren't necessarily great. No, and that's the thing. Uh, Eddie George was not, like, standout stat-wise. You know, college he was, but, like, he wasn't standout stat-wise, you know, his career, but he was still a very solid player. And, like, this is not, like, oh, this table solid. The guy was, like, this guy was, like, concrete, stone, you know, all that. He was, he was a very solid player. Now... This is his first time as a semifinalist. I'm not sure if I'm picking him to go in. Yeah, but it depends. At some point, he'll probably go in. Devin Hester. Speaking of going in, in the end zone, Devin dude, Hester. He's finalist at least for sure, right? He's one of the best returners of all time. If not the best. There's a there's like some Devin, older players that did really well. Devin but Devin Hester yeah. 
Like I said, I remember wa- another one that's special to me because I grew up watching him. This man was Devin Hester on return. was incredible. Devin Hester could make a way out of no way. He could make a play out of no play. And I think his career as a re- he was like Ted Ginn. Yeah, he was a receiver, but that's not what he was known for. He was known as the dynamic kick returner, and he never disappointed. Yep. So he is number one in the NFL all time for non-offensive TDs. I'm telling no, nah, he he he'll go. He's he's gonna go. He's gonna go. He is that was incredible. He and you could argue that Devin Hester was the one who really made um special teams returns an important aspect of the game. You could argue that. Because yeah, people have had punt returns for long times and they were just like, Oh, this is just we can get good field position. But Devin Hester showed, man, this is a way for us to score. Yeah, and Devin Hester. Oh my God, I, I would love to see him going. One of one of my favorites growing up. I love Devin Hester. Yep, and number one NFL all time in punt return touchdowns. Um, leads the NFL all time in non offensive touchdowns, which is kick and punt return and all that. And any defense, he didn't play defense, so basically just punt returns and kick returns. He's got that wrapped up. When you include even the players that include like defensive touchdowns in there, he's got them beat. Yeah. So I think that is. At least a no, finalist. At least a finalist. Yeah. I don't. I don't uh, he's go and he. That's one of those ones where I look at him and he go. He's gonna get in at some point. Oh yeah. I don't know if it's this year, but he's gonna get in at some point. And then we go to another wide receiver, in Tory Holt. Tory Holt, he'll go in because Tory was great playing with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk. Part of the greatest show on turf. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven time Pro Bowler, first team All Pro. One time, um, he is twenty first in receptions, sixteenth uh, in receiving yards, and thirty eighth in touchdowns. I don't know if he is going the to... num- the n- the numbers look a certain way, but Tory being and see, his thing, Kurt Warner's, and you have to look at uh, associations. Kurt Warner's already in. And Kurt Warner could, you know, with and with, Marshall Falk and Marshall Falk, but you know, Marshall Falk got in trouble later on, so I don't, yeah. But with Kurt Warner, I think because he, he would, he would put in a very good word with for uh, for Tory, and then the sports writers would listen, and then Tory could go in. It's his eighth semifinalist too, like eighth yeah, time. If he was think, gonna go, I think they're gonna give it to if him. If he was gonna go, surely it would be this year, right? This, I mean, it's not like I'm not saying this is a weak class, but in terms of it's receivers, really not. It's, this, it's not, in terms but, of I mean, receivers, it's actually very stacked. This is he's got to go at some point, right? Well, it, how many do we do we know how many times uh, a player can be a semifinalist, or can they just go? They can go as they they can go as many times. Boy, at some point he's gonna go, right? Yes, I would, I he had, he was a part of the greatest show on turf. He has to. I would think. Um, next receiver up, Andre Johnson. No, I talked about him earlier in the show. Andre Johnson played with the Houston Texans all his career. He won't go this time. I don't think he'll make it to be a finalist, but Andre Johnson will go in at some point. It's his first year, I think. It's his yeah. first year, yeah. And, you know, his numbers, they were good. But Andre Johnson, you know, there when I was growing up in the in the early 2000s with 2008, 9, and, and whatever, and 2010 and whatever, Andre Johnson was the other Johnson in the league that was tearing. There were three Johnsons when I was growing up that were tearing things up. My cousin Calvin... Titans running back Chris Johnson, and then Andre Johnson. And Andre was incredible. Andre would catch anything you threw at him. 
and you know even that punch from Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> but um, you know Andre was such a great player, and I would really love to see him get to get to this point at at some point. But I don't think it'll be this year. Seven Pro Bowls, two time First Team All Pro. Yeah. Um, eleventh in the career in receiving yards, okay. eleventh in the career in receptions. So okay. numbers are pretty good. But you're in the you're in the time, top you're in the top fifteen. First time I don't nah, know. No, no, first does team. he get like does he deserve to go over like Anquan Bolden or Tory? Yeah, Holt? I, I would say mm. that he had, I would say that he had a better career. Well, it did, well it depends if if Anquan if if Anquan was with the Cardinals when they went to that Super Bowl against Pittsburgh or not. But I I, I think I, I would say Anquan and and Andre Johnson had a pretty equal career in my opinion. They both did really well. Tough one to. It's very out. tough. Yeah. Uh, next up, Robert Mathis. I remember him. Colts he, defensive end was know. the master of the strip sack. He, in fact, was the master of the strip sack. Yep. Fifty-four forced fumbles. Fifty-four yep. in his career. Robert Mathis was a freak. I, I remember he you is put number him, one career forced fumbles. You you put him on. So this is what made made the Colts dangerous, and this is taking me back to my childhood's nostalgia. You had Robert Mathis on one end, you had Dwight Freeney on the other end, and then you had Bob Sanders as your free safety. Oh, it, ooh, it was beautiful. Um, Five-time Pro Bowl, one yeah. first-team All-Pro. Yeah, uh, like I said, one of the sack career numbers. leader in fumbles forced. Uh, he is night. Eighteenth in sacks since nineteen eighty two official when that was officially counted with one hundred twenty three led the twenty thirteen with nineteen and a half which is stout uh, thirty three or thirty third in uh, total tackles for loss he had over a hundred and I mean I think they'll make if, him wait but those the, but being a leader in and being an innovator of the strip sack will get him in mm-hmm. at some point but I think they'll make him wait it is uh, only his first time as a semifinal yeah they, so. they'll make him wait uh, next up. Mr. Sam Mills, linebacker, for from '86 to '97. Yep. Few different teams, um, including New Orleans and Carolina. Yep. Five-time Pro Bowler, one-time first-team All-Pro. Decent-looking stats. For They'll a make linebacker. him wait. They'll make him I, wait. Yeah. Um, and he's gonna wait for a while. He doesn't have. A whole lot to his name in terms of uh, like he was dominant. He was, he, he good, was, he was good, but like he's twenty second in combined tackles yeah, for the career. So I there's think, nothing that really jumps out. No, and especially with this being his first time, they're they're gonna make him wait. Yeah, uh, no, uh his fifth time. Yeah, um, they're still gonna make him wait. Though. Yeah, I, the stats like compared to some of these other defensive especially guys, especially when just we get into uh, the next guy who played defense, Richard, Richard Seymour. Seymour. I remember Richard Seymour. Uh, I'm saying this a lot, but I did. It, it, but it feels good because these are well, guys that grew yeah, up watching. We're now in that era of these guys that have played, finished playing in 2016, played 10 years. You know, they're, yeah. these guys, a lot of these guys were early 2000s. Richard Seymour, uh, you you read his stats, but I think Richard, I think they'll make him wait just one another year because Richard Seymour was dominant. Richard Seymour was dominant. 57 and a half sacks. Yep. 500 combined tackles. Um, seven Pro Bowls, three first team all pros. Um, I know that he's got some 60th Super Bowls. in his career for tackles for loss, 147 in uh, official tackles, uh, official sacks um, since 87. 
Uh, he did play on New England in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, um, 7 and 8. So he's got at least two. Got at least two Super Bowls. At least. Um, so the numbers. The numbers are there. Are decent. They're, they're, they're no, I, I think you have to, they're good numbers. They're, they're good numbers. It's his fifth like time said, as a semifinal. Like, so, but here's the thing, though. Like, are you putting Richard Seymour in over Jared Allen? Because I don't think so. I think Jared Allen is way in there before Richard Seymour. See, or, the, or do you put him in over Robert Mathis? Because I don't put him in over Robert Mathis. The, but those Super Bowls help him. Those Super Bowls really help him because neither Allen nor Mathis have that. I guess, but I just I'm looking at that. I, I, mm-hmm. I will give you this. But didn't uh, didn't Mathis have one with uh, the Colts? And <sighs> I he yeah I think he may have when when they. Uh, I don't know if he was on that team when when Dungey did that. That was 2007, and he played for the Colts from uh, 03 to 2016. Yeah, so he does have one. Oh, he got one. So, yeah, no, no, I wouldn't put it. See, that's because I just remember. I know Richard C. I remember how dominant he was, but um, over, eh, I don't know. I I think Allen and Allen and, and Mathis would be a little above him, yeah. Next up, Steve Smith. He's going in. He's going at some point. This man was uh, like just he was electric on the field and he had a big personality to go along with. He's it. He, I think he's going in this year because Steve Smith, we see him consistently. That's that's very important. And Steve Smith's numbers are you wouldn't guess it but Steve Smith is in that top 5 top 10 range in his numbers. Um 5 pro bowls, two first team all pros, 12th in uh career receptions yeah. league one time. Eighth in career receiving yards yep. for the league one time, and 29th in receiving league one time. So yeah, uh, um, 40th in yards per game. So yeah, yeah, he. I mean, this man was he was good. The stats were good, um, and he played a long time. The, I, I'm telling you, longevity. He we see him now, and he's got the numbers to back it. I say Steve Smith goes in this year. It's only his first time as a semifinalist, so against some of these other receivers. But the I'm not fact so that sure. we see him, I'm yeah. telling you, because look, unfortunately, all these receivers can't go in. To, no. And I think Tory's going to be one that's waiting. Andre will too, and Anquan will too. Mm, I don't know, man. It's 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 so, hard, but I'm telling you, the receiver one is stacked. And like I said, Reggie is. Wayne is on this list. Yeah, again. we haven't even gotten that far yet. Um, next up, Steve Tasker, Tasker. another receiver and special, special teamer guy from uh, the Houston Oilers and Buffalo Bills. Ninth time as a semifinalist. Um, be prepared to make it ten, Steve. I'm sorry. Yeah, seven-time Pro Bowler, not too shabby. Um, he had a, let's see, pretty decent return numbers. No kick return touchdowns or punt return touchdowns. So, like, if you're picking a special teams guy, there's no way he's going over Devin, Devin Hester, Hester, right? Never. So, um, had some decent receiving numbers, but nowhere near like no. what any of these other receivers are. So, unfortunately, um, in this one. He's like this guy does not go until Devin Hester goes right. If you're picking like yeah. special teams alone, oh without a doubt. So, sorry Steve, but I think you're going uh, on to number ten times as yep. a finalist. And then after that, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor, another running back of the 2000s who had yep. pretty uh pretty good success. Pretty, pretty good. But uh, that's the problem, right? Is that when you like immediately go like, oh yeah, that guy was pretty good. Is that a Hall of Famer? Because I, this guy's only got one Pro Bowl, um, 
82nd in or 84th in touchdowns, 24th in rushing yards per game, 32 in uh, yards per rushing attempt, 40th in TDs, 17th in yards. So no, not like great gonna numbers. No, he's going to wait. No, he'll wait on numbers. They're like just looking at it and going like, oh, yeah, he was pretty good. Pretty good isn't going to get you against some of these guys that are that are already going in. Like, there's only two running backs, but I or yeah, two running backs. But I would pick Eddie George over. No, no, I over would Fred too. Taylor yeah. going. Um, so not bad, but again, this we we we're not looking at not bad, right? Yeah. This, this is the Hall of Fame. Hall we're of looking fame. at players that were. It's like, supposed oh, to mean yeah. something, you know. If the sports writers would stay out of it. Uh, let's see. Next up, Zach Thomas, linebacker yep. for Miami before one last stint in Dallas. Yep. Um, not too shabby of a career. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Pro Bowls, four-time first-team All-Pro. Yeah, Zach Thomas had a great career. Zach, yeah, Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, my bad. Uh, I, no, no, it's Zach Thomas. Is it? It yeah, is. Yeah, Zach Thomas. It is Zach Thomas. My bad. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Fifth in total combined tackles, yeah. led the league twice. Uh, 108th in tackles for loss, but he did. He was pretty good um, in one season. Um, and yeah, uh, fifth in career t- solo tackles as well, with five seasons in top ten. So it was a pretty solid career. I mean, just, I, I would say yeah, just based on the and Pro I Bowls think and the he All was Pro. With the, you have to check the numbers. But I think he may have been with the Dolphins when they went undefeated with Marino. No, that this was he was nineties. Oh, nineties. Okay. Yeah, uh, this was ninety six to two thousand seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but he was on a um, on a Miami team that was uh, not particularly great, right? Yeah, so, that makes sense. Um, I think he'll go at some point. Some point, yes. Um, he is being top five in some fourth, things. Fourth semi, uh, fourth time semifinalist. Again, I mean, well, Mathis is qualified as a defensive end slash linebacker. Um, does he go over? Well, we haven't even gotten to the guy that'll probably go over him, so we'll wait a minute. No, no, on no, that. <laughs> but he's close, <laughs> he's pretty close. Uh, next up, Heinz Ward. I, I this... remember Heinz, <laughs> I loved watching Heinz Ward. Here's the thing, and my dad and I were talking about this I don't see him going over Steve. I, I think they're gonna make Heinz no. wait, and Steve will go in. I think he was a good receiver, but he's probably like best known for that catch in the end zone for the Super Bowl, right. That was San Antonio Holmes. Oh, is that San Antonio Holmes? Ah. You talking about against Arizona? Yeah. Yeah, that was San Antonio. Okay. Well, then he's not really known for that much even then. <laughs> um, he is... The stats are okay. He's 14th. Even Steve's are better, yeah. He's 14th in career receptions, 27th in yards, 16th in touchdowns. So, meh. He's okay. But, again... Just okay is not what you want for the Super Bowl. They'll he's, make Hines. He's wait. a four. Yeah, he's a four-time Pro Bowler, but that's really it. But Hines will go in, but they'll make him wait. Yeah, this is his sixth time as a semifinalist. But you, how do you put him over Steve Smith, or Torrey Holt, or Andre Johnson, or even Anquan Bolden? I think all those guys would go before Hines Ward. Stats wise, but Hines Ward has a Super Bowl, mm. and all those guys you named besides Torrey Dutton. Didn't Bolden get one with the Ravens? God, because Anquan did play a while. I thought he got one with the Ravens. Check on that. Um, Because he may have. uh, 
That was the 2013 Super Bowl, and I believe he was on that team. Yeah. Yeah. No, 2010-2012. He was on the uh, 49ers in 2013. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on the 49ers, yeah. Hmm. So he Maybe got that. to the Super Bowl, but he didn't win it. So anyway, he, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think one Super Bowl shouldn't change the fact, especially when someone's stats are that much better. No, no. Stat-wise, yeah. So we'll see. But if I- you're looking like equal stats and one person does and one person doesn't, then sure. But if you're looking at, like, one Super Bowl, but the other person's stats are way better, I don't think that should matter. Especially at a position like receiver, where one wide receiver does not carry to a Super Bowl like a quarterback does, right? Yeah. Or a defense as a whole does. But even, like, a defense as a whole, like, a defensive end is not going to carry you to a Super Bowl. See, Jared Allen. (laughs) Uh, After Heinz Ward, we have... DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware, who is definitely going in at some point, and I'm partially I, saying that as a Cowboys homer, but this man was I, I one of the best edge this rushers. Year. DeMarcus Ware was a freak. He was one of the best edge rushers in the and NFL. And he also has a ring year. when he played with Denver when they got it. And that defense mm-hmm. was the reason they got it. Yep. So I say DeMarcus Ware goes in because DeMarcus Ware was incredible. Uh, 187th in solo tackles, but he's fourth all time in tackles for loss. Yep. Um, and led the league three times, ninth overall in sacks, official sacks. Yeah. Um, and led the league twice in that, and 15th in career force fumbles. This man was a beast off the edge. Now the only question is, like, you know, he's labeled here as linebacker slash D end, um, whereas like Mathis is D end dash linebacker, so. I don't know how it's hard to kind of pick one between those. I'm still picking Ware over Mathis. I think, I think so Ware too. was more dominant. But then, like you know, how does he fare? Like if if it says linebacker dash DN, does Jared Allen make it over to Marcus Ware? No, I think Marcus no. Ware was still no. He could, over DeMarcus, a greater length of time. Let me put it to you like this: when we're looking at defensive, in my opinion, Demarcus Ware is the best defensive player on this list. Demarcus Ware was incredibly dominant. And I think what gets him for me is he wasn't just dominant, but he was dominant for a long time. For a long time. time. He was very consistent. Like Jared yeah. Allen was really good for like four years. I give him five. Five years. But still, DeMarcus Ware was a beast for pretty much the entire time of the Cowboys, maybe like the last year. And then he played really well with the Broncos opposite Von Miller as well. So, yeah, I think... Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yes, yes. Uh, it's hard not to say no. Demarcus Ware is first ballot it's without not, a doubt. He's got the numbers and the ring. He's going. It, it's hard to not say no to that one. Uh, up next, Ricky, Ricky Waters. Waters. 95 to 2001, second time as a semifinalist, running back for multiple different teams. Yep. Um, stats look okay. Five Pro Bowls, but no uh, first team All Pro. Um 24th in rushing yards, 22nd in rushing TDs. Um, so not not too shabby. Sorry, Ricky. You're going to have to wait uh, this one out. Yeah, I just don't You're going to have to wade in the water, Ricky. The the running backs are kind of like, uh, maybe I would almost take like a couple of receivers off this list over the running backs. Another running backs really jump off the page yeah. for me personally, um, especially when we talk about our next wide receiver, Reggie Wayne. Reggie for Wayne. Indianapolis. He's just got that name. It just it just sounds. Yeah. It sounds oh, that's, that's, that, I bet that was a great for play by play guys. Reggie Wayne over the middle. Reggie Wayne, yeah. John Madden loved calling Reggie Wayne, um, games. Six Reggie Pro Bowls, Reggie will get in because they made him wait last year. Uh, tenth in receptions. Yep. 
10th in receiving yards, yeah. led the league once, 26th in the receiving TDs. Um, but yeah, this this guy was he Reggie's was a going in. He played opposite Marvin, and he and Marvin lit the field up. Yeah, they were the moderner. They were the more modern version of Carter and and Randy. Yeah, because they 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 just tore stuff up. Reggie's going in. Uh, and speaking of tearing stuff up, the next woo, guy, Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork. Oh my gosh, the the heir apparent to the fridge, to yeah. to, to Perry. We have the fridge, and then we got uh, oh. you know the the oven. <laughs> <laughs> This man was 6'2", 325, and he was a big 325. No, it was it was that it was that pot belly. It was that two, round yeah, 325. Two-time Super Bowl champ. And he champ. clogged up the hole every time. Five-time Pro Bowl, one-time first-team All-Pro. I'm worried that his stats aren't going to be particularly good. Um, in fact, I was right. He doesn't rank anywhere on, like, sacks or anything like that. But he was just a big run stopper. He'll get in, um, just not right now. He'll get in, but not now. Yeah, I just but Vince yeah, was with great. some of the other defensive players on here. Like he only had thirty nine tackles for loss, but again, like th- that's one of those guys where his measurement does not come from straight stats. Because as a run stopper, you might not get you know tackles or tackles for loss, but if you plug up holes. And you are just impossible. That's what he to was move. known for. More yeah. of Vince yeah. Wilfork was known for. He more was of the of immovable object. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I, he'll get in, just not right now. Yeah. But it, Vince was great. It's his first time as a semifinalist, and I think he 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 was definitely one of those guys that phenomenal. Just, I loved yeah. Vince Wilfork. You just could not move him out, and you would hear him at least like when they when they when uh, commentators were like doing plays back in the day. Be like, oh, watch this run play. You just can't get Vincent Wilfork out of there. He is going to be right there yeah. the whole time, and you can't move him. And you'd hear his name all day long. Kind of like the next guy as well, Mr. Patrick, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis, I, th- my, my second favorite number 50. Okay, so I've got three favorite 52s, Ray Lewis, Patrick Willis, and, of course, uh, LT. Okay. you gotta you got to put LT on there. Sure. Patrick Willis was really good. I think I think they'll make him wait, but Patrick Willis was very dominant. I don't know, man. I don't even know if you'd make him wait. He's got one. I mean, because he was written. Tell me, besides Ray Lewis, Patrick Lewis, Patrick Lewis. Tell me, besides Ray Lewis, Patrick Lewis was not the most dominant middle he, line. He was. He played. Patrick Willis stood out. Let me let me explain this to you folks. I'm very passionate about it because I love Patrick Willis. He played the same position as Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher. Both of them are in. But he he I think he should go in yeah, now. I think so too. Because Patrick Willis was he played woo! eight seasons, Pro Bowl in seven of them, first team All Pro in five of them. So pretty much every season he played, uh, led the league in solo tackles twice with and forty six on the career list. Led the league in combined tackles twice, 99th on the list. Um, and he yeah he's not crazy stats anywhere else but the man was but the impact he had on the field yeah. i would say the impact he had on the field because i wouldn't even and... think ray's or brian's stats were that crazy it's just the impact that they both had and plus it... ray had super bowls um and well he was on the hall of fame all 2010s team as well so he's going to get in at some point it's just a matter of when like the man came in in his rookie season and was not only an, a pro bowler, but a first-team all-pro in his rookie season. And in his rookie season, led the league in combined solo tackles. Yeah. Patrick Willis is a monster. Patrick Willis was a monster. Yeah. If if Lewis and Erlocker and that generation of inside linebacker get in, Patrick Willis is going to get in, too. Yeah. Now, the question is, 
does he go in over somebody like DeMarcus Ware, which looks to kind of like your front runner for the defensive side? I don't know. I, mean, I, I, couple... think, I think where I think where and Willis should get in at the same time because where and Willis they were just yeah. so dominant. I feel like you can make you you can make another person wait. You can make a Will Fork wait. You can make a Seymour wait. You could. I don't think you make Jared Allen wait again. But you know we'll, we'll see. We'll get a better picture of it once we go down to fifteen. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to hard time to figure that out. But uh, don't look now because. One of the mainstays of the Cowboys Super Bowl defenses is up next, Mr. Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson. Three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro defensive back, usually a safety, um, six-time as a semifinalist. And my main concern is that um, if you haven't gotten in yet, what changes this year? Nothing. Because his stats really – I mean, he's five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, and I – I'm not going to lie that he was a not I'm not going to say that he wasn't a key point uh or a key factor in that Cowboys Yeah, cuz he was. Defense, but look at some of the names he's up against. Yeah. He'll wait. Yeah. Which is sad. But we'll get DeMarcus Ware in, so you know, that's a that's a plus. That, that's that's the best part. <laughs> well, one of them is going to go. And then finally Bryant Young. From 94 to 2007, defensive tackle um, slash defensive end, but mostly defensive tackle. Uh, I think um, he's going to kind of suffer from the same issue that yeah. Fork had, where it's kind of hard to measure him in stats. Yeah. Four pro balls, uh, pro pro bowls, one first team all pro, um, but most of his like stats aren't really that crazy no, nothing jumps that. out on you on the page he is fifth all time in career safeties so he's got that going that, that, for that, him. That, that means something yeah um but i just don't i think it's yeah he's going to kind of suffer from the will fork effect where his stats weren't as great but for people like us we remember vincent will fork playing so we know what kind of impact is harder for somebody like bryant young uh but that's why they have the sports writers, I guess, because yep. we're, we we don't know it, but that's why they do. He did make the Hall of Fame All-1990s team. That's good. Um, And has a Super Bowl. So I'd say odds are pretty good that he'll get in at some point. Some point, yeah. It's just a lot of people don't know about him. So if you had to pick one person on this list that you're like, this is a surefire getting in this year, who are you going for? DeMarcus Ware. I was going to say DeMarcus Ware as well. That, but that, that is a surefire. Since fire. you're saying DeMarcus Ware, I'm going to go Devin Hester because yeah. I think that is another surefire thing. He, yeah. was, he is one of, if not the best, uh, special teams returners. I say time. the best one that, yeah. ever because Devin Hester was incredible. So I would hang my but hat. But I don't at, see you turning away DeMarcus Ware. I would, I would hang my hat if I had to pick two right now to make it DeMarcus Ware and Devin Hester, which this will be fun. Next semester, we can, we can see who makes it and see if yeah. we... Uh, See if we're correct. This is fun. I like the the Hall of Fame. That's always fun looking at the Hall of Fame. Yep. I just hate sports writers are involved. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the main events. Big shout out, big thank you to both Dan Ball and Mark Lambert for letting us use the green studio here at KNCU deep in the heart of Denton, Texas. We will have one more episode next week, and then we will break for the winter. Yep. And go our separate ways. But don't worry, we'll be back in January after that. So, one more show next week. Looking forward to it. Y'all have a wonderful day. <laughs>